Kingiwala, everyone. Good evening and thank you for joining us here tonight on Thursday Night Live as we continue to celebrate and reflect on NAIDOC week this year and share in the many events and conversations acknowledging this year's theme always was and always will be. As a, a proud Bundjalung woman from the coastlines of this region, I pay my respects to my elders past and present. I honour their legacies, their teachings and their guidance. I acknowledge their families and community, some of you who may be watching on tonight, and admire their young people who I'm sure we can all agree uh, and know will be the future leaders of our people far and wide. I'd like to acknowledge that I sit here on Widgeable Wireable land tonight, streaming from the offices of the Koori Mail newspaper here in Lismore, and pay my respects to the Widgeable and Wireable people for being on their lands and pay my respects to their ancestors and elders today. Tonight, we are truly privileged to be joined in conversation with our elders from across the Bundjalung and Gumbenge nations. And I'm sure all who are linking in and watching tonight will agree that at any time we have the opportunity to sit, listen and learn from those who came before us, trailblazed and worn in those pathways from their own stories and journeys over the many years for us to follow and continue to walk in is an honour. Uncle Rob Bryant, Uncle Des Williams, Arnie Dale Williams, Uncle Herb Roberts, Auntie Robin Bancroft and Auntie Gwen Hickling will join us tonight. I'd like to uh, acknowledge and thank the Southern Cross University and the Lismore Gallery for the opportunity to facil facilitate tonight's event and acknowledge the work both the Southern Cross University and the Gallery do to celebrate our Bundjalung people and culture through both the education and the arts. I would also like to reluctantly acknowledge Queensland <laughs> and their efforts last night uh, to win the, the State of Origin series. I would also like to acknowledge that uh, Josh Adokar's try or attempt at a try should have been awarded a penalty try, which most likely would have seen New South Wales win the series. I look forward to our yarns tonight and I appreciate your participation and engagement as an audience tonight. Thank you for joining us. For millennia, the lands on which we walk today belong to the original people of this nation known today as Australia. The lands, the waters, the soil, the seas, the long grass, the fresh water, the oceans and the bays, the sands and the mountains. These are our identities and these are our connections. They are part of our DNA, they are part of our bloodlines and they are our future generations. We had occupied them before colonisation and they continue to play a vital role in the continued cultural survival of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It's been almost 60 years since the Yungu Bark Petitions of 1963 and 1971 by the Yongu people of Yirrkala. The Wave Hill Walk-Off of 1966, led by Vincent Lingari. The Land Rights Legislation and the Land Rights Act of 1976 and the Mabo case of 1982, which historically resulted in the passing of the, nine, of the Native Title Act in 1993. 
27 years on from that act in 1993, there's been hundreds of native title claims. There are many indigenous land use agreements and hundreds of native title determinations around our nation with the intention that the government will acknowledge the rightful owners of these lands and right the wrongs of our history. The fight for the right to continue to occupy these lands or to win back these lands continues. Our voices in this continued fight matters because our lands and our seas matter. Tonight, we will hear from our elders, their own experiences fighting for land rights, working in sectors that are dedicated to our people to have ownership of our homelands and their commitment to one day, and hopefully in their lifetime, seeing our people occupy and inhabit our traditional lands and create systems of economic and social development on country for our future generations. Respectfully, I'd like to give our elders the opportunity to introduce themselves and share a bit about who they are, where they come from, and the work that they've been doing in community over the many, many years. Uh, firstly, I'd like to introduce Uncle Rob Bryant. Uh, Good day, everybody. My name's uh, Uncle Rob Bryant. I'm a Goombanga warrior elder of the Nambaka Valley. And uh, Adele, if you could put the uh, photo up of beautiful Goombanga country. That's uh, South Beach, and that is now a national park, uh, jointly managed by the Aboriginal owners and the national park. And as it says, Baya Garalinga Daralura keep our coastal environment healthy. So, I am uh, from north coast of New South Wales, Goombanga country, and uh, I let uh, other people introduce themselves and I will talk further on about my uh, by walking on this continent for a long time. Thanks, Uncle Rob. Uh, Uncle Des Williams is, is having trouble joining us at the moment. So um, if he does pop on later on, we'll, we'll come back to him. But I'd like to uh, introduce Uncle Herb Roberts. And you, you just need to go off mute there, Uncle. I forget about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jingawala, everybody. Um, I was born in Lismore, base hospital. I started my life just out of Lismore on Kabuli Mission. I have very, very good fond memories of that place. I was four years old when I left, but the memories are still with me today after all those years. Uh, we moved to Urban Z and I've been here since. I... Um, Evans said it's the birthplace of the Bunjalung Nation. Uh, some beautiful sites around here, uh, sacred sites, um, visitor sites, just amazing. I, um, I've been involved from a very young age, when I say young age, in my 20s, with the every organisation in town. Um, I'm, I'm still involved with 
organisations in town. My working career when I was working was working out in Aboriginal communities, which I loved getting out and seeing everyone, and that's something I really miss today. So um, welcome everybody that's um, listening in and watching. Um, hope you get a lot of understanding on what we, we tell tonight. tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Uncle Herb. Uh, Ani Gwen also, I think, is um, is having trouble joining us. Um, so again, if she comes back online, we'll um, we'll link her into the conversation. Um, I'd like to introduce Ani Robin Bancroft. Ingewala, everyone. Jinagay, everyone. Both. Um, I was born at uh, Ngambanga country and uh, my grandparents come from Western Bundjalung and Nambucca, same as Uncle Rod, down, uh, Rob down that way. And uh, I, um, as you can see the map behind me, that's what I would like to talk about later on uh, because I'm very proud of that map, uh, which is out in the schools and everywhere in libraries so and i'm very proud of the elders at southern cross uni they've all done so much and contributed so much um, to the community it makes me feel really good so and the elders are really respected by the southern cross uh genevieve center so uh we're getting there and that respect is going to be carried on. And I thank you, uh, Naomi, for your introduction. And I acknowledge our elders past and present too. For without them, we wouldn't be here on our land, which always was and always will be. Thank you. And I know um, that you're all looking forward to, to sharing with us uh, tonight your own journeys, your work histories, your involvement in your local communities, uh, the things that you've shared in around the nation, contributing uh, to many, um, many voices uh, about issues that need to be brought to light about what's happening in our communities, uh, both locally, uh, and around the country. I really appreciate your time and your thoughts and I think everybody watching um, will feel the same and uh, will walk away from this uh, conversation feeling uh, very grateful for the knowledge that you're going to bring to the conversation tonight. So thank you. Um, firstly, I just wanted to um, speak to you all about NAIDOC week. Um, we know there's been a bit of disruptions this week because of COVID, unfortunately, even having the conversation this way tonight is uh, very much out of some of our comfort zones. Um, as a people, we all like gathering together face to face. It's something that we look forward to all the time. Uh, so just in terms of NAIDOC week, um, I'm sure you are all involved heavily in your local events, uh, local communities and, and all the action during NAIDOC week. What does NAIDOC week mean to each of you individually? And, and I guess in particular this year and the, and, and the focus for tonight's conversation, uh, what does this year's theme mean to you all? This, this year's theme always was, always will, really does mean a lot to, to us as Aboriginal people. Because it always was, always will be. 
I think it was a very quiet week for me. I got involved with the local um, Midwichland neighbourhood centre down here in Evans Ed. Um, but we had sorry business last week. So it was a really quiet week for us, for, for me anyway. Um, and a lot of the local people around the area. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting because when you say always was, always will be, we as Aboriginal people are the longest living culture in the world. We precede the Egyptians. Um, it's, a, it's, it's been worldwide proven that we are the oldest living race in the world. Um, interestingly, because um, I, I actually lecture in the um, Caring for Country unit with the Southern Cross unit, I'm the actually elder in residence up there. Um, so I want to acknowledge Guinnaby. Um, but um, when, I, when I lecture in there and um, I, I have a great um, way of explaining things and when we have the students out on country, um, the country talks to us. Uh, our, our elders taught us this. Um, they were taught that. So what we have as elders, it's important that we actually teach our younger ones so that this is how our culture is carried on and on and on. Uh, one of the most interesting things I found teaching the students is that um, one, having them out on country and a couple of times, quite a few occasions, um, the country has spoken to the students and they were absolutely blown away by that. Um, just one of the other things I, I find really fascinating too is that when they um, discovered King Tut's tomb and desecrated it, what they found in there amongst many things were Aboriginal boomerangs and a wattle branch. So theory is how did that all get there? Um, I have worked out a theory, but it's, yeah, so it does, it, it does mean a lot um, and makes me proud how strong we are, how, how resilient we are to, to be here today, considering since colonisation, what we had to go through, what they tried to do. As Aunty Robin's got that map behind us, all about the massacres. Um, how they tried to wipe us out, but we kept coming back. And we're getting stronger, so yeah. Thank you. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Uncle Rob, um, just like to get your thoughts on on NADOC Week in particular this year's theme. Um, you know, and and what is significant about that for you individually? Well, always was, always will be. Just reflects my cultural bringing upbringing in that uh, I was born in Bellingen, Kumbanga country, and then I was brought to uh, Civic Highway, Bellwood. And I think there's a photo there, right? Which, uh, and it's opposite the island, what they call Stewart Island, which is now a golf course, right? But my mum was born on the island. And down on the right-hand side, you'll see uh, vacant land there, right? Well, that's where I was brought from Bellingen to there. And it was always was, always will be my place. 
on uh, our outings, we would uh, mum would uh, hire a boat and she would row us across, right across to South Beach. So always was, always will be, is my connection to a little parcel of land in Pacific Highway, Bellwood, at Buckerheads. Wherever I went, I always knew where I came from. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we've been around, every, we've been around 65,000 years. Uh, navigator James Cook came up this way and he, I think it was about three o'clock in the morning, and he came past uh, Goombanga country. But uh, that was 250 years ago. And, uh, you know, we can see what happens in another 250 years time. I'm sure it'll be a lot different to what it is now. Thanks, Uncle Rob. Um, we've just been joined by Uncle Des. Uncle Des, you're just on mute at the moment. If you're able to come off mute, there you are. Thanks for joining us, Uncle, and welcome. Thank you. Uh, I... Okay. We've just been starting the yarn off tonight, Uncle Des, with a bit of an introduction of you all uh, as panel members. Um, so I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself to those who are, who are watching. And uh, just wanted to ask you how, how you're feeling about NAIDOC Week this year in particular um, with it being associated with this year's theme of always was, always will be? Uh, all right, well, I've spent NADOC week up here in Darwin. Um, but uh, the rest of the family participated down at Tweed Heads and I was, I was really pleased to see, um, we weren't allowed to march. So uh, my daughter, uh, Luana and my son Ernie, they, they carried the two flags and they, they marched and everyone else followed behind in, a, uh, in cars, uh, which, which was great because they could participate in the... Uh, sort of march. They followed the, the usual march route in cars and uh, it was great to see. Uh, I think all other, all other uh, marches were cancelled uh, in Australia. So at least the, the Tweed people participated in a sort of march. <laughs> um, there wasn't much happening up here in Darwin. I think they, they had a couple of things on, but um, not a whole lot. Um, so we didn't get to see much up here. <clears throat> but uh, for me, I, I, spent, uh, I spent most of my time in, uh, in my father's country, Bunjalung area. I, uh, I was born up here in Mullumbimby and after a while, we moved down to Nambuka and 
I did all all of my schoolwork down there. The uh, stages of my um, school education was was done just north of Lismore at St John's College, Woodlawn, and immediately after Woodlawn, I went down to Sydney and took up an apprenticeship. There was a lot of marches, but um, in the uh, late sixties, especially linked up with land rights and that type of thing, and it was always uppermost in our mind that we we didn't surrender this country and uh, the the term uh, always was always will be was always uppermost in our mind and our elders and we never lost that thought for me for me it, it will always be an ongoing thing and and my children will if they haven't already ta- uh, will take up the fight from me when it's time for me to sit down and contemplate things. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy this interplay between us, we the elders of the Gumbanga and Bunjala, and it, it's it's very welcome to me. It allows me to see what's what's happening around the place and how everyone's travelling. I think that's enough for me. I can see my sister Gwen's picture on the on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, um, Uncle Des, and, and, and we look forward to coming back to you in conversation um, throughout the night. And and welcome to Arnie Gwen. She's uh, she's just joined us here. Hello there, Naomi. Hello, my how, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Thought you forgot about me there for a minute, Aunt. No. Wondering where no. you were. It's been great. It's a good thing this is. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah. uh, while while we've got you, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, to to the audience that are listening and watching on out there. And if you'd like to just share with us a bit about the significance of, of NAIDOC Week for you, um, and in particular what this year's theme of always was, always will be means to you. Well, it's, uh, it's who we are. And... Uh, I've been there, did the fight, everything, did the march. We need a real Aboriginal leader, a a leader that will take us to the next step, take all them young people who are just drifting around and ain't got a plan. But we need to do... That leader will will take us to that place, but we haven't found one since Charlie Perkins, I'm afraid. All those other fellas from elsewhere... Mike Dobson, they don't come to this. We they we don't respect us for who we are. White man came east coast first. He didn't go up there, north and whatever. So that's why a lot of our uh, history is through massacres and whatever. But uh, what is the theme again? We always was, always will be. Yes, we we are Aboriginal people. We are who we are, and always will be. And no one can take that away from... This is our country, regardless. Yes? We've all fought the battle and we're still here. Yes. And I just want to say thank you to everyone. I, 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 I just come from another meeting. <laughs> Namajira Avon meeting. Yes. Very and there's my brother. Good to see you, brother. Good Welcome to see you. Back. From the foreigners up there, you know. <laughs> yes. I, might, I might just have to jump in and let the audience know that um, tonight's conversation isn't exactly scripted. And you know what? That's not who we are as mob. We're having a we're having a big yarn here, and I've even got I've got my biggest cup of tea here. Oh. Ready to go. 
Oh, my God. Yes, I'll encourage the audience out there. I'll encourage anybody to grab a cup of tea and then strap yourselves in because I'm sure there's lots of laughs along the way and lots of tormenting. Now, thank you, Aunty Gwen, for that. It's it's always good to see you. And, um, you know, and and yes, you're right. Um, uh, It's who we are. And um, as we've celebrated NAIDOC week uh, this week, obviously in different circumstances, um, it is always special to celebrate who we are as a people, mm. to showcase who we are as a people to the rest of the nation, to invite people into our spaces um, of culture and learning mm. and education, uh, yes. but also to, to again bring to the surface um, you know, the need to focus on, on the issues that our people are still fighting for around the nation. All of our communities are different. We all have different struggles yeah. in our communities. It's our culture. Yes. But, but, the, but the more we can bring uh, these issues to light, we can, we can work on continuing to find the right solutions to make sure that our future generations are, are, are protected and are also advancing um, in whatever it is that, that, that they want to do for the future and keeping um, our bloodlines and our communities uh, strong and capable. Um, I really like some of, the, some of the conversation already focused around our elders uh, teaching our younger ones that this is our culture, that it has to be carried on. Also that um, Uncle Herb mentioned our country speaks to us. Um, I really felt that when you said that, Uncle, and uh, you know, focusing on our people and our continued strength and our resilience and our survival since colonization. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a strong thing uh, for us to, to have that strength and that resilience. Um, it's such a strong thing to be passed on to our younger generations uh, as well. And Uncle Des, you know, you mentioned that uh, these younger ones coming through, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're the ones that uh, unfortunately will have to continue the fight. But hopefully, you know, in their lifetimes, we can see some major change. That means that your legacies and the work that you have all done won't be, won't be in vain. So, um, you know, personally, thank you for everything that, that you have been doing. Myself, personally, it's been... Um, you know, a privilege to watch you all along the way and learn from you. Um, I did want to to talk to you all about the work that you have been doing over the many years, and I know that you've all been working in different sectors and different spaces, but I guess I wanted um, to give you the opportunity to share about some some significant moments or some pivotal moment, moments throughout your, your work um, that you feel has, has made a big impact or or that you feel um, is, is a big focus for, for our communities and our people? My interest uh, has always been in education and starting from the little ones, right down, you know, when they started out. And um, I'm talking to you from Grafton, which is on the beautiful Clarence River of the north coast of New South Wales. What happened is we discovered when I went to work in government in um, Canberra, that we didn't have places for our little gory kids in childcare. There was, at that time, there was supposed to be one spot in a 40-place childcare centre for our, our kids, but there was never a place. So as a project and policy officer, 
with other people in the team. My job was to try and, um, not try, we did, uh, develop childcare centres around Australia. And we ended up getting for our kids at around about 40 childcare centres, you know, from Broome to Cooperpedi to Palm Island to uh, Tasmania. And that was a start for our kids when they were little, little ones. And the elders came in to talk to them about the stories and talk to them in some of the lingo. So there was all this pride being transferred to the little ones before they even went to school. And so I've kept up my interest in educating education and uh, I, I take um, school kids out to look at Aboriginal sites such as scar trees and rock shelters and axe grinding grooves. It's good for them to have hands-on experience rather than seeing it in books and papers. And, and they respond very well to this. And it, this is something that they can pass on now to their children and their children. Unfortunately, my grandmothers, they weren't allowed to do this uh, because of the police policies of the day that they were picked up if they went too far from their <coughs> home. And uh, <coughs> that doesn't mean that they didn't want their, grand, their kids and their grandkids to know. And my grandmother said to me, our job is to make sure our children have an education. So this is what my mother and her siblings did, try to make sure we have that education. And people like Uncle Herb, Auntie Gwen, Des, and Uncle Des and Uncle Rob, that's what we fought for, or they fought for in those early days. Um, sometimes people forget, they, and some of our own mob forget, they think education is just like that. They forget the big fight that the elders went through to give them, uh, to get them an education. And um, Bayugal's a good example for that, where they weren't allowed into the schools there till 1930-something. I think we've done pretty good in, what is it, not very long, and we have doctors and lawyers and everything now, but we've still got a long way to go. And we're still, government should be pulling, so excuse me, government should be doing the right thing by providing uh, scholarships, decent scholarships, for us not to have to worry about, we've still got to pay for everything, school uniforms, boarding, everything. We need, in my opinion, more help from uh, uh, government. And I would also like to see more anthropologists and archeologists a lot of our mob now, our young ones going through year 12, they go straight for the law or the medicine. Now that's wonderful too, and that's appreciated too. And that's where the big money is. You don't get big money in archeology, span let me tell you. So uh, you go out and dig in the dirt for years, but uh, I'm trying to call when I go around the year 10, 11s and 12s, call them back into having an interest 
in our cultural heritage and our cultural sites and the landscape like all the other elders do in my community here on the north coast education is so important i can't stress how important the key it is. education is the key mm. and and you did ask about always was always will be over 27 years is it the themes for nadoc week which were fought hard to get again everything that we aboriginal people have got has been fought hard by people our mob elders to get get mm. that mm. the themes have been bigger and better as we've gone along and yes. this theme always was always will be brings it right back in everyone's face yes so. can i um say something hello everyone hey dale hey dale, hey, dale. Hey, dale. yeah you looking good always was and always will be looking good <laughs> so we stand for land rights anyway yes and because um we are where we are we will always be where we are and will be and so i i just appreciate each and every one of you because you always was in the fight and always will be in the fight until we're gone yeah. and so appreciate our young people who are picking up you know the and learning coming through um, yes stages through yes and and uh, i believe that um we have to bring them in uh, very quickly because of the changes that's going down that um the the system is trying to manipulate and influence them to come away from the uh cultural ways and and they can't live like that they have to identify with themselves as their true self always was always will be and so i appreciate the fight that each and every one has um, taken up and you never gave up you still carry the baton but um i believe with my children uh, i'd like to pass that on and and with authority you know to to know who you are what you stand for and how you live within a system mm. and so i i appreciate each and every one thank you naomi thank you aunt thanks for joining us and um i appreciate your comments there and um and and coming into the conversation with us it's lovely to see you uh, i might jump over to uncle herb uncle yep. herb um can you share with us a bit about i guess uh your your history um your work and and your involvement here locally um, in the local oh. area. Um, in particular, um, your, your journey teaching uh, the Bachelor of Indigenous Knowledge, um, in particular that unit of, of caring for country and how, I guess, significant that is to this year's theme. Okay. Uh, yep, thank you, Naomi. Just first of all, um, my working career has been a public servant for all my working career. And one of the officers, um, government officers I worked in for many, many years. Um, in 1987, I had all the staff come up to me and saying, why don't the Aboriginal people want to participate in the bicentenary? And I said, because of the history. Mm. And my, their reply was, what history? I said, what happened? And I, I went, what happened? I said, and you don't know, because when I went to school, 
I was taught Captain Cook came, discovered Australia, bought the first fillet out, met all the Aboriginal people. We all lived happily ever after. What a joke that was. It wasn't until I got older and realised the truth. So in doing that, I went to the manager where I was working. I said, is it all right if I run some cultural awareness? I said, because next year's the bicentenary. And I had all, these, all the staff asking me, asking me why Aboriginal people don't want to participate. So I went ahead and he said, oh, that, that would be lovely. So I went ahead and done cultural awareness. I had no resources. It was all up here in the head, all up here. And they were so successful was that I ended up doing, by the time it was over, prior, by 1988, I had so much resources. And I ended up, even after 88, I actually done just about every government office in Lismore teaching them cultural awareness. I did come up a lot of um, racist people saying, how do, I, how do you know this is true? Because Aboriginal history was never written by our ancestors. It was always up in the head. That was knowledge that they passed on. And this is what I said earlier. It's, more, it's important that we continue to carry on our elders, elders, elders tradition of teaching our young ones so that they teach and they, their young ones can teach and teach. Our history, it's been what? They say 650,000 years. We go back a long way further than that. Um, it's, there's, it's been proven there's been life in Australia for nearly a million years. Um, and I found this out through the uni. Um, so that was, that was one of the arguments I come up against. Why, how do you know this is all true? when it was never written. And I've got to give um, admiration to one of the managers turned around and said to this person who actually raised that question of saying, and he was a reborn Christian, said, how do you know the Bible's true? And I thought that was a good comeback at him. And um, so that's, that really gave me the passion to continue this fight. And I'll continue till I die. Um, my kids, uh, you know, they're the oldest one's 35, 34, 29. Um, They've got the fight. They don't live in this area. They, they're in Western Australia. But they've, they've still got the fight with them. And um, they will continue. And it's like they, when they were young kids, they weren't ready to ex understand the culture. And their mum said to me, have you taught them yet? And especially my son. I said, no, he's not ready. She said, you know, I said, he's not ready. I just know up here as an elder. Well, I wasn't an elder then. But it was what I was taught. And a time came when he actually told me something and I thought, okay, he's ready to be taught the culture. And I did. And they have a great understanding of the culture. Um, with the um, Southern Cross, you know, I was one of the great places I really enjoy being now after I retired um, and teaching in the Bachelor um, um, and the Caring for Country because we actually take the students out on country. And what we... You? Bayoubal's one of them, and yep. Evan said. Um, yep. Sadly, we didn't go up there last December because of the fires and everything. So um, we took them to Brunswick and had a really great day up there on the water. Yep. Um, and it's it just gives me that opportunity to reinforce what I know. And as I said, I will continue to teach until I can't teach anymore. Mm. Um, whether it's in a university, whether it's in a community, whether it's in the, in the lounge room with kids and um, younger ones. So it's important that we actually carry this on. Um, 
we're a strong race. As I said, you know, we're the oldest living culture in the world. Um, we fought hard and we will continue. And like we all said, this theme always was, always will be. Boy, it will always will be ours until we're gone. And But we'll never die. We're, we're, like, we're like seeds. We just, we regrow again. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we're, we're survivors and, and we're, we're survivors. Boy, are we survivors. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we haven't jumped out of our skin yet. No, no, we never will. <laughs> we made it. We won't go down. <laughs> Come back. Thank you so much, Uncle Herb. I might um might cross over to to Uncle Rob. Um Uncle Rob would love to Love to hear more of your story and, and your journey, the work that you've done, and I guess, um, you know, what you're passionate about or what you've been fighting for, and uh, again, in particular, how that may be significant to this year's NAIDOC theme of always was, always will be. Thank you, Naomi. Like Uncle Des, I also attended Woodlawn College, and I completed my secondary schooling in uh, 64, 65. And a um, couple of years later, then I joined the uh, Royal Australian Air Force. I did six years and I was based at Bung Tau in South Vietnam in 7071. And then, uh, you know, education is very important. And uh, in the 80s, I decided to go back and uh, do a Bachelor of Business course. And I attended uh, Karingai CAE, as it was then, College of Advanced Education over in Linfield. And um, of course, in 88, we all know how negative we were being portrayed in that. So I held a fashion parade over at uh, Linfield in North Sydney. And that broke down so much barriers. And anyway, they asked me, then the uh, Student Association said, Rob, can you bring over another Aboriginal event next year? So I went around and I found out anyway, Bronwyn Bancroft, right, from Aboriginal Design, I mentioned to me about a dance company called Bangara. I said, okay. So I went and uh, I was given the name of a lady called Cheryl Stone and I asked Cheryl Stone if they could come over to Bang over to Karingai College. And they came over and of course that was a knockout, just as it was the previous year with the uh, fashion parade. And of course then I got involved with Bangara as a founding board member. And then in uh, 90, I came on as the uh, founding general manager of Bangara. And I was at the founding general manager from 90 from 90 to 94. So, you know, it was all about education and it was about, you know, challenges. And I see, you know, after that, then uh, where I am today, I'm into about entrepreneurship, economic development, and we need to participate in all facets of the industries and the, uh, you know, Economic development is one of my passions. And if you show the uh, slide, you know, one uh, on the left-hand side, always was, always will be First Nations people, land and waters. That is 
one of my companies called JTD Posters. And on the right hand side, it's about timber being dried in the kiln. Now, our mob have been doing it for over 65,000 years in regards to spear being straightened, coolant being put in the odd hash. So, you know, the heat treatment of timber is no different than what it is 65,000 years ago, only today I'm using the kiln. And uh, so there's me in the kiln inspecting my timber. So it's a, you know, continual part in regards to always was, always will be. Things they're doing today, we already done them only in a 2020 version now. So yeah, so that's me, right? I've, uh, I've walked this earth and uh, there's still a lot of challenges. And for the younger people, there are challenges there all the time. And in regards to Bangar, I was just in the right place at the right time when it came about. I didn't go looking for it. It was just at that stage. And, then, and I think for the younger people, something will happen in your life and you will be touched or blessed to do something right that has not yet even been thought about. Thanks, Nam. I, I heard some young kids in high school saying that they uh, wanted to be astronauts and go to Mars. And, isn't that amazing? Forward thinking, things like that. <laughs> Creative. Creative thinking. Yes. Just yeah. the you raised there, Uncle Rob, um, with the colonisation, it, it wasn't only that they tried to take totally eradicate us as Aboriginal people, um, like you mentioned, they were doing the drying of the, you know, the kilns and in the fire and not ashes and that. Um, they stole everything they could off us. Agriculture. Where did that all come from? Us, our people. Um, the land. We looked after the land. We respected the land. They don't respect the land. Um, Mother Earth is dying because of what man's doing today to it. Blowing her apart, sucking every resource that they can out of her. Where we respected the land. We let the land talk to us. We've done what the land wanted. So it makes me angry of what man today is doing to the land. Um, how they stole all our ideas and um, claimed it as theirs. But we were doing it for thousands of years before they came here. Yeah, truly. And, you know, it shows um, how resilient we are that we've all formed now this body of yep. elders that can challenge them for the truth. Yes. Bring it on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and uh, I, I just wanted to say, in case you're wondering about the map behind me, um, could I show a slide there? There I am 27 years ago. That's um. me. <laughs> <laughs> One. Anyway, <laughs> I, I worked on that uh, with a team of people and, and I've got to talk, uh, there were 20 advisory editors and at least 25 other staff. Now, the next one that I showed there was the encyclopedia and I must talk about this. Um, for so long ago, it's just the most amazing thing that happened. 2,000 entries, would you believe? 
whereas before we were lucky to get two pages before that came out. And uh, we worked very hard. We had a, an Aboriginal advisory uh, group and we had a lot of Aboriginal contributors with their expertise in certain areas to talk about that. And there were over 400 bibli bibliographical um, entries, biographs. And sometimes when I go around uh, organisations and uh, universities and libraries, they haven't even got a copy of this. I suppose I should be grateful that they've got a copy of the map that's behind me. And that was done a long time ago. And it was done to the best of our ability in the team. And there was a big sign on the bottom saying not to be used in native title. It was, at the time, it was the best that the team did. And Dr. David Horton, as a senior editor and his offsider, um, another editor, Dr. Ian uh, Howie Willis, they worked on this and they, they would do, what, 10 hours a day or up to 16 hours a day to get it because there were limited resources at the Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island Studies and they set a time frame, typical government, of when you had to have it done by. And uh, they wanted to get this out, you know, by the celebration date, 88 and all of that. But it's good to see that everyone in the schools is trying to use the map that David Horton works so hard on there. And if you turn that map back to front, you will see all the languages, well, as many as we could do at the time, written on the back. So it's a very important educational resource for our kids. And um, that's, that's everything's in there, everything from... Uh, History, land, places, food, anthropology, languages, economics, health, art, media, everything. And I've always said, and I, I pushed it, that the Institute should have funded for a second edition. Remember, this is a long time ago. We've missed out on so many of our mob doing the most wonderful things. In a second edition, we could have had Kathy Freeman in there. You know, the world champions, our mob, showing the world what they could do. But unfortunately, some government areas are not forward thinking. But the map's still there. And, and as you can see, I think it's very good. And of course, I'd say that, wouldn't I, having been involved in it? Thank you so much. Um, Auntie Robin, and I think, um, you know, everybody will agree there's absolutely no disputing that it has always was and always will be Aboriginal yes. land. And to see uh, that visually, to see how many of our, our nations within our yes. nation there are, uh, sadly, how many of our language groups we have lost, but also uh, the efforts to try and bring those back now for our future generations. Um, it's so important that this information uh, continues to be taught and that people are learning from it. Um, you know, Uncle Herb mentioned how access to our lands are so important for, for handing down to our jarjams, those cultural practices, 
you know, showing them where our special sites are, uh, showing them where our, our ancestors and our generations once lived and, and walked. And, and Uncle Herb, you mentioned even with your own children when they were ready, uh, teaching them those cultural practices as well. Um, I wanted to perhaps talk with uh, Uncle Des and, and, and again, um, uh, Annie Robin as well, or anybody else that wants to jump in. Um, in particular, your work around the protection of our sites um, and also, you know, making sure that we're sustaining uh, those land sites, maintaining those land sites so that we can continue to pass on those practices. Um, how important has your work and the work of many others been um, in protecting our lands? I worked as a cultural heritage officer in state forests and my job was to go out and look for sites in the forest and put protection barriers around them. And this was the knowledge from the local communities saying this is where their grandparents or uncles and aunts told them that these sites were because a lot of these sites were not recorded. And when they were not recorded in the early days, they were just bulldozed. So that was my role there for many years doing that. And uh, I think uh, we also in State Forest got cultural heritage awareness training for all the workers. That is the guys who drove the tractors to the big bosses in admin. So uh, a fellow called Richard Kelly and I worked very hard on that for the Northeast Coast. And we're very proud to do that. And it's not easy going out there uh, as two people talking about these things, but you've got to get your department to back you up and support you on what you do. And Richard Kelly was an excellent sites officer, cultural heritage officer. And he could see things that I couldn't see in the bush. And uh, I bow to his expertise. But it's the same with every other elder or person around. They have so much expertise in their own area. I tell you, I always think how wonderful this is. How proud I am of everyone. They're just specialising in their certain areas. Always was, always will be. Thank you, Alex. Yes. Might might cross over to Uncle Des. Uncle Des, um, you know your your history working also in in cultural heritage management, uh, you know, in particular around lands and and fisheries um, and other areas there within within the shires um, around this around this region. Um, how important is it to you, the work that you've been doing, others have been doing, um, in making sure that our lands and our sites are protected so that we can continue to, to you know, to educate our generations and share with our generations on them? It's, um, it's become the most important job that I'm doing at the moment. And I was, I was sort of, in a way, I was maybe not introduced to us, but encouraged uh, to get into it by an Aboriginal bloke from Kempsey who uh, who worked for uh, National Parks, Ray Kelly Ray Senior. Kelly. Ray Kelly life. Senior. Yes. He's um, he had a uh, a great liking for that type of work, and he really sort of immersed himself into it, and. 
he uh, he gave me that that spirit of wanting to uh, to work in that area too. I've had uh, a couple of archaeologists, friends of mine, they, looking at their careers, they had to compromise in a lot of things that they did because the the work that archaeologists get into uh, involves developers and developers are not very kind people to to Aboriginal culture right. and so it's sort of I, I got sort of thought about getting into it into that that line of study and I thought no I can't compromise my culture um, so I won't do it I'll 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 have to be uh, a um, a fighter against uh, developing country uh, companies <clears throat> but and that's uh, very important i'm sorry i have to say it's very important uncle des the developers yeah. come in and they think they can run and and destroy all our uh, heritage that's right i've done i've done more uh, most of my work through the uh tweed Byron local aboriginal land council and uh we've got we've established legislation um well maybe not legislation but but uh local local government policies with the local shy council uh tweed shy council and to a to a certain degree the byron shy council and they've they've placed us at the head of their da process uh whereas in the past we were just an afterthought um you know they, they'd go through they'd get their da and then they'd they'd have an afterthought oh you better go and speak with the aboriginal people too there might be an uh, an aboriginal site there where your where your development is nowadays nowadays uh with tweed byron with the tweed uh, shy council they they say to uh, any applicant that's going through a da to go and speak with the aboriginal people especially the land council first and then come to us um because at the end of the day they they can't you know uh they, they have to cut costs if they if they go ahead with their development via a, a kind DA, they'll they'll get all of their work together, and then all of a sudden they'll have to come to us. And and if if there's an Aboriginal site there, especially a significant site, then they have to alter their their plans, their development plans, and that costs them a lot of money. And uh, it, it doesn't cost us much, but we we sort of have a bit of a laugh and say, well, you should have come to us first, mate. And uh, and did your planning around uh, around the Aboriginal sites rather than over the top of them. But uh, native title gets uh, gets up my nose a bit too. People when they put their native title applications in, they don't they don't really study the the landscape either. 
when they and when they're fighting for whatever they're fighting for, they it's an afterthought with them about what's what's actually on the land. They say this land has been with our people all these many thousands of years, and they their their native title application goes in, but they don't study the land that they're claiming beforehand. Like um, if there's a if there's a small valley that's hidden away that has a uh, has an Aboriginal burial ground in it, they won't know about that burial place, and they'll they'll want to develop that uh, that place themselves um, as an economic concern. It it won't work because women won't be able won't be able to go into into that small area because because of the burial place the men's business there and uh if it go if if they go ahead without that consideration then a lot of people are going to get crook mm. uh, especially aboriginal people um if they if they're going into that area without unknowingly you know i would like to uh apply to state government for us to get uh through the land council system for mm. us to get um a lease arrangement in the native to- in the national park areas and the state uh, state go- uh, state policy areas state um state forest areas over over burial places we can find the burial places and then apl- go to apply to uh state government uh through native uh through not native title, uh, national parks and the state forest area. And for us, uh, each land council, uh, to get that lease arrangement so that we can protect more thoroughly those particular areas. And not only the burial places, but other sacred sites of significance within that. the national park and the state forests. Um, we there are a lot of lot of burial places that are on privately owned land. We won't be able to um, get much of a, a go with them unless unless we have a uh, the owner of those properties is sort of in tune with with what we want. But I'm I'm deeply engrossed in in finding new Aboriginal sites and uh, recording them with national parks and uh, registering them and protecting them. And there are, there are new sites coming up almost every day, especially women's sites. And uh, we've, uh, at, Twee, at the Tweed Byron Land Council, we've, we've put together a, a group of Aboriginal women uh, whom we send out uh, when we suspect that we've uncovered a, a woman's site. Mm. It saves us blokes getting headaches and that sort of thing when we go up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Uncle Des, for your, for your sharing um, on that. And, um, you know, 
we seem to be doing what well, we have been when you really think of it over the past 230 years, you know, our, our own people, our own communities, um, individually or collectively have been doing the work to make sure that, um, you know, the rights of our, our people have been given to them and in particular our land so that we can occupy them so that we can teach from them and, and, and pass on things to our next generations and have that acknowledgement that, that these are our lands and have always been our lands. Um, you know, when we think of most recently, um, some, some major incidences that have been happening um, in our country in regards to sacred sites, Rio Tinto mining blast, when we, when we think of the, the tree of the Jabarung people that was, that was taken down only just a, you know, a month or so ago. And um, you know, even locally here in, in the Lismore area, um, the local fight to stop the development of, um, of North Lismore, uh, what's happening over there and just the, you know, the processes not being done properly, the protocols not being adhered to. Annie Gwen, you know, um, we talk, you've talked about um, your, your experience in education and how important it is to make sure that culture is incorporated into the education system so that it's not just our people that are doing the work, it's about making sure that the entire country, that every individual that occupies these lands, that that are stolen have an understanding of what it means to be on our traditional lands and how important uh, sites and how important, um, you know, those sacred things are to our people. Um, you know, Annie Gwen, if I can just get your thoughts on specifically around education and around cultural sharing in the education system, how important that is to make sure that um, it becomes everybody's responsibility. Well, education is the key. It's the key no matter what way we look at it. And uh, I, I worked in education for 20 years and I, um, I wanted to be a teacher. I walked past the Sydney TAFE in Sydney in 1965 and I said, how do I become a teacher? And they said, have you got your U12 certificate? I said, well, at Korokoi Central, they never gave none, no certificates to no Aboriginal. And said, well, you've got to come back and do three years of U12 and then three years of teacher training. At least that was a goal. That was a plan in my life. And I think we, we I try to teach the kids, tell them they get to have a plan. Because one day, if we ever going to be a, a country within a country, sovereignty, well, we need educated people. We needed ab Aboriginal education kids mm. to go through and, and have a goal in their life. Not just for them, but it's for who they are, their culture and, and where they come from, their tribe, just to help others, help one another. And, and, and sharing is, is, is part of, in that caring, we'll be, that's how we've been. We sat back and I, I, I've, I've <laughs> I, I told my girls they, they need to get as far as they can in education, but it didn't go, that, it didn't work out that way. But I, that's where I, I started in Tabulum, telling kids up there, and I got a job in the school and I said, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to know where you're going. Otherwise, we, we become nobody. We just drift along. Mm. And then and I left. 
I left school because I got depressed because kids wasn't listening to what I was saying. I said, before you leave year six, go to the, get, and get into year seven, go straight to the careers office, you've got to have a plan. So where you go straight there and ask, how do I become qualified in whatever, what grades I need and all that. I left uh, and, and uh, well, I only left for two months and I got a job in health and which I applied over at, at uh, Casa Ridge in, in Brisbane to get that job. And I, I, uh, I think back in that job, I, I look back and I said, my grandmother, my grandmother who came from Normington, Desmond's grandmother, she came and she was a bush nurse in, in our area, down Grafton, by Yugle, Woodenbong, all around Kempsey, she was a bush nurse. And I said, I said well, that's, what I, that's who I am now. I'm, I'm my grandmother and I want to know all about health and the things, the medicines and whatever, like she did. But I, I didn't have that because I wasn't taught or shown. She died before I was born, which is a sad thing for me. Mm. And it is, education is the key, no matter which way we look at it. Yeah. We've got to keep pushing our kids regardless. Uh, look, I see kids down the street and I, I, black and white, I say the same thing. You've got to have a plan. <laughs> Where's your plan? I said to the, the, the mother and father, was a, the, they owned a air condition. I said, now, Bernie, what's your, you, you're going to be, what are you going to be? And he said, no, no, don't worry about it, Gwenny, he said to me. And I said, all right. Every time I seen him, I said the same thing. Last year he came to me and he said, you've been like my other mother and I am now fully qualified builder. I got, did my five years apprenticeship. If you weren't on my case, I would never got there. And I was wanting to thank you. Now, this is a white family. He got in with an Aboriginal woman and they had a child and she left them and they came to me again. The parents came wanting directions and what to, to do with this, how to keep, maintain the child. So I said, make sure the name is in your surname, Bernie. Okay, that's number one, then you write. You can get, you can take him over to his mother whenever, but you still got the custody. We went through all that. I helped them. So I help whoever, no matter what it is, who they are. But education is the key. If Aboriginal people, us gurus need to succeed, it's education. Yeah. Thank you, Naomi. I well, I've got you there, Annie Gwen. You know, earlier you mentioned in the conversation, um, you know, you spoke about leadership. Uh, you, you spoke about um, there, there not being somebody at the moment in our country um, that is, is taking the lead to make sure, um, you know, our, our land, our sites, um, the yes. acknowledgement, Everything. our native title, our determinations, um, you know, are being... Uh, handed back to our people. And I guess this is a question for all of you and please jump in at, at any time. Um, what does that leadership look like, I guess? And, um, you know, when will we see that happen? Or, you know, what are your thoughts or what do you think the solutions are in terms of now moving forward so that, you know, in another 20 years, um, our NAIDOC theme isn't again, bringing to light the need for our people to be self-determining on our own lands, yeah. um, you know, and occupying our own lands as rightful owners. We don't yeah. ever want to 
you know, have these same conversations again. Unfortunately, we're still having them. But what does that look like for you all? Well, we want to be like Alaskans. They got their sovereignty and the Hawaiians. They, they, they got a country within a country, their own country within the country of America. And the Americans got to pay them rent. This can happen to us one day. What are your thoughts there, Uncle Herb? My thought on that is that would be the greatest thing that ever happened with us. But we're not even on the Australian Constitution at the moment. And that really bugs me. Um, I, one of my fights with that is I won't stand for the national anthem because <laughs> far as the white Australian policy is what, what, you know, well, we're not Australian. So that makes me really angry. But the greatest achievement would be, as you said, in 20 years' time, we've got control of what we do, what we say. We are on the Constitution. We are Australian citizens. Um, and it's a hard fight. We've been fighting for so many years. And sadly, I think there's going to be a few more years fight yet before we can achieve what we want to achieve. Yeah. Well, it's been nearly 30 years since we've been talking about self-determination. I right. mean, people are dying talking about this. I mean, what Uncle Des just said there, we need to um, talk with these government people, which is doing um, state forests and parks and wildlife. We need to get our land back. We need to do what Uncle Rob said. We need an economic base. You know, we, we haven't got the basics that we need. It mm. goes back to pay the rent. You took all our land, pay the rent. That's my personal opinion. And you've got to have options to put up to government. Mm. They mightn't listen as usual, but we do have options for them to listen to. And this leasing the land is a very good option. Mm. If you can hang in there, and I hope it wouldn't be 30 years, you know, everyone's dying because they're just, and they're very tired and they're very sick too. So they're not well, their health is not well, and uh, they're still hanging in there and they're hoping to pass that on to the generation below them. So but we do need an economic base and we need land and we've got to talk about a hundred other things, deaths in custody. And there's not that many of us, you know, we do the best we can. Mm. What about you, Uncle Rob? Are there any, uh, um, there, yeah. uh, are there Thanks any? Yeah. I'll just, for my part, you know, I'll just say, uh, most Australian elders never retire. They continue yes. to contribute to their respective community. We'll keep on keeping on. Still keeping on. Mm. Yeah, and just on that, um, Annie Robin, like, you know, you mentioned that 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 our older ones, um, you know, your generations, ones before you are, are, are tired. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it, it does get exhausting. 
Um, the work that you have all been doing has been strenuous work. It hasn't been light work, to say the least. Um, you know, the, uh, there's big shoes for our next generations to fill in terms of the, the paths that you've all paved for us. Um, it can be uh, feel daunting and, and overwhelming, that's for sure. Um, if, if anything I can say, I guess on behalf of, of our, um, I still consider myself a, a bit young, of our younger people or younger generations is, you know, um, a very big heartfelt thank you and appreciation for, for the tireless work that you have been doing over the many years. Uh, individually and collectively, um, and the many others in our communities, our older ones in our communities that are that are fighting the same fight. Um, you know, personally, I know that my own journey would not be what it is today if it weren't for for all of you and uh, the older people that I look up to, not only my family but my community. So, um, I'm sure everybody will agree and appreciate the work that you've been doing and the contributions that you've been making um, in terms of everything that we've spoken about today. So, so thank you so much. Um, we have gone half an hour over time. And uh, look, that was to be expected because I think from the start there, we were running on curry time. <laughs> Auntie Gwenda there and Uncle Des there, but... Um, we really appreciate the time that you've given. I'd like to open it up for anybody who would like to leave us with some thoughts or comments. Uh, please feel free to jump in at any time. Okay. I'd like to do that too, uh, Uncle Herb. We're missing a generation of our young fellows that should be there taking the step forward. They're getting deaths in custody. They're getting picked up. They're getting put in the jails. Now, this is our, our young men, you know, and so the women have to raise the children without a lot of support because they're men. It's racism. Black lives do matter. Um, and we haven't got a lot of our younger men around to be that support for the women and the children. That's something I was actually going to raise. Um, I'm actually linked into a lot of Aboriginal sites across Australia on media. And genocide happened around the world. Australia has the longest history of genocide. Mm. And today it's not talked about, but it's still happening. And these sites that I am on talks about the deaths in custody, the deaths in deaths in remote communities, remote places, and it's it's not exploited in the media. So it's it's still happening. Mm. So, uh, and, and look, they don't even talk about northeast New South Wales here. Three big rivers, the Clarence, the Richmond and the yeah. Tweed, where so many massacres happened and they, they, they just went underground with the massacres, massacred many, many groups yes. to take their land. Yep, exactly. Anyway. So can we consider, sorry, can we consider taking on a young person and teaching them right now in our uh, bringing like Naomi, such as Naomi, if she's got the fight in her, why not push her? Yes. 
Yes, the, the young people are the ones that matter. But it is. And to give them the support, yes. which we always have. But no, mm -hmm. I do despair about um, the jails. And of course, as you know, at Grafton, we've got the biggest jail ever mm -hmm. that opened up this month at Grafton. Thousand inmates there and 700 more to come. That's the capacity to hold. 1,700. Mm. I'd like to see how many in the future are Guri mm. lads and women, women and men. Have we got to go? I'd, um, we to go, I'd I'd like to go, I'd like to win. Is it going to be finishing soon? Or? I, I think Uncle Des just uh, wanted to leave us with, with a comment and then we'll, we'll probably wrap it up in a minute, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's about leaders like Charlie Perkins that uh, Sister Gwen brought up. Um, leaders like that don't last a whole lot, a whole length of time because they get tired. They get tired very yeah. quick because they're, they're not young people when they take up that, that type of work. Um, uh, they burn out because because of what's asked of them, um, and and they don't have work. Uh, uh, they don't have a an, an income, which makes it even extra extra hard for them. We we have had some really really good leaders over the years. Charlie uh, was. Charlie was the, uh, in our generation. Charlie was the number one leader, but there are other leaders. There are other leaders before him, um, and after him, Solly Blair was a good leader. Uh, Gary Foley was up there for a short time until he uh, became an academic. <laughs> um, and the Fakatsi uh, people. We need. Yeah, we had a we had a really good service in in Atsik, and that that was as good as a uh, an Aboriginal leader because we we had yeah. really good leadership there. Yes. And uh, and they, and a good income. That away. So it, it allowed us to do that work. But um, as Gwen said, we do need another standalone leader or stand-up leader and uh i don't know where we're going to find that person and um, unless he's coming heard, he's coming i think we'll well we'll be long gone by the time something yes. happens yes. You know? yes it's yes. like isaac cruz on the south coast he went to yes. a conference last year at ANU, and they regurgitated things that were happening 30, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And he said, you're going over the same ground and the same ground. Yes. And the elders yes. were there too. And, yes. and he says, yes, I know. And he says, one day the government will listen to what we're saying. Well, mm. you know, I doubt it, but still mm. that's my opinion. Mm. We can only keep trying and um, I think a lot of it has to do with 
with making sure the rest of Australia is educated and, yes. and they have mm. the knowledge that yes. our people our old people possess and the, and the knowledge that uh, you all have and continue to share with our communities and um, you know I'm, I'm hopeful that we will get there and that we won't be having these same conversations in the years to come and that there will be significant change. Um, for anybody who's, who's watching tonight's event or, or listening in, um, make sure that you're listening to our elders, to their stories, uh, their voices uh, are so important, uh, they're so special um, and they're so significant to how these changes in our country for our people will come about in the years to come. Um, make sure that you're connecting with our local communities in the right way, respectfully having those conversations that need to continue to happen uh, so that we can continue uh, to make the changes again for our generations to come. Uh, listen to our black media, read our black media, watch our black media, learn about our people, get that knowledge, be educated, use our resources so that you can have a better understanding of this fight that sadly is continuing, but hopefully one day um, will get a bit easier for our people. Yes, um, yes. Again, I'd like to, to, to give a big heartfelt thanks to our elders who have joined us uh, tonight. Uncle Rob Bryant, who's actually just in the office across from me, mind you. He's visiting here at the Koori Mail and he's in his little studio there. So it's been lovely to connect with him uh, today here at our offices. To Arnie Robin, Bancroft, thank you so much for contributing uh, tonight. To Uncle Herb. Um, it's always great to see you and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll all get to see each other under better circumstances soon. To Uncle Des and Auntie Dale up there, I hope you're all well and safe and um, hopefully back down this way on country again soon. And to Auntie Gwen, thank you so much. Better late than never, aunt. It's been great yes. to have you. Yes. <laughs> and it's I'll tell Megan I'll see you. Yes, and it's always yes. a pleasure to see you. I know every time yes. you see me, we always have a good yarn and a catch-up. Yes. Again, thank you to the Southern Cross University team, the yes. Guinness Centre there, and yes. uh, to the Lismore Gallery for, for putting on Thursday Night Live. This is my second time hosting um, a Thursday Night Live, and I look forward to being involved um, wherever possible. Yes. Again, to bring the voice thank of, you. To bring the voices of our people to, to this platform. Yes. Um, and to continue to share who we are um, and, and, you know, um, share the stories from, from each and every one of you. It's been, it's been really lovely. Um, for anybody else out there, again, send in your questions or your comments, um, you know, touch base with our elders here tonight and, and, and keep those yarns going. Um, it's, it's the only way that we can, I guess, uh, build stronger relationships so that we can um, start, you know, um, getting the solutions, the real solutions together and, and having those outcomes uh, be yeah. for our people. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Thank you, elders. Thank you for sharing your stories with us tonight, your wisdoms and your messages. Thank you, Naomi, for guiding this conversation so well. Thank you to everybody for listening in. This was the last Thursday Night Live. Thank you to Adele and Brett 
for three years of, of this wonderful journey and for everyone that came to the gallery when we had it in the gallery or have joined us online. Um, watch this space, there'll be another iteration. And until then, thank you again, Elders, for sharing your wisdom with us tonight. And Pleasure. Naomi, amazing. Um, you can watch back on Facebook because it'll be there in the live stream. So if you want to watch it all yeah. again or see how it uh, went down, and you'll notice there's some great comments there as well. Thanks. Thank you, Walla. Thank you, Walla. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.